Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikamo. With me is Benjamin Solek. Ben's a little bit mobile today on this Monday morning edition Hello. of the show. Uh, he is at a family wedding, and it's a giant family wedding, but Ben escaped for a little bit because he loves you guys. Because he said, Trevor, I can't miss a Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I can't do it. Won't let myself Who do it. Who among us has not been at a large family wedding and said, you know what would be great in the middle of it? is like just 30 minutes to talk about football with somebody else in a very controlled environment. Like, honestly, who among us? Yeah. Who like, this is not, I feel like this would be a great addition to many wedding receptions. Like, all right, at eight 30, long to take a break. (laughs) You going to partner up with somebody who you're a good buddy with (laughs) chat about, you know, an AFC division talking about some football. (laughs) That should be an ad in like all weddings. I'm okay, right, exactly. I'm, I'm okay with this. I, I mean, I've got a reception coming up, and I'm going to pitch this to my fiance. Be like, listen, <laughs> we have a 30-minute everybody podcast about the Eagles break. Listen, you know, the entire Locked On NFL Draft podcast duo may be at this wedding. So it's very possible. Um, yes. No, so we're talking We're talking previews today. We're going to keep going. I'm not going to fool Ben because I wasn't going to do that while he was mobile. I feel like he's really already flustered that. I was enough. I super worried that you were going to. <laughs> I was like, this would be, I mean, this would be the most devastating time to do it, for sure. We are talking about the AFC West today, a conference, or a division, rather, that had two teams win 12 games last year, had the league's MVP, has mm-hmm. now a $100 million head coach. I mean, the storylines in the AFC West are right? about as vast as, as they could possibly be, but I want no to st- team here is not fascinating. 100%. But I want to start out with the most fascinating team. I want to start out with the Oakland Raiders because right. we got to talk about what's going on, man. I mean, if you just like let's just start off with the Antonio Brown stuff. It was when I said a couple of months ago before Antonio Brown even got dealt. People were asking me like, "Hey, if AB is as disgruntled as we think he is with the Pittsburgh Steelers and they got to get rid of him, what do you think he would go for? And I was like, honestly, probably like a third or a fourth. And people killed me for it. They're like, right. there's no way he'd go for anything less than a first. He's a future Hall of Famer. He's one of the best wide receivers in the league. And I get it, guys. But he's very, like, he's very when talented. Top talent is getting traded. There's a reason. There's for it, and it a means reason. The trade isn't as big as you think. There's a reason for it. And if I, something else that I've noticed about NFL teams. They don't like when you go rogue, okay? They'll put up with it. A lot of the best teams can put up with, let's just say, like divas or certain personalities or egos with teams because often those are the guys who are playing really well. I mean, they're confident guys. They're playing at the top of their sport. Right. They're often, they have a lot of pride. They have a lot of egos in this. But at the same time, boy, it's a line that they teeter. And Antonio Brown seems to have gone so far off that line that I don't even know what the Raiders are going to do now. I mean, and that's what that's what Mike Mayock said. And I think it's really interesting that we got Mayock making this comment and not so much Gruden. Gruden, who's like renowned players coach. You know, if I'm in the PR department for Oakland and, and you know, Gruden, Mayock, everybody wants to come down on Antonio Brown. First thing I'm saying is, all right, not John. It's got to be Mike. Yeah, because I need Gruden to keep his appearance up of being like Mr. You know, fun to play for, you know, right. John that, Gruden, yeah, the players. So we get Mayock coming out and Mayock says. 
listen, like we need to know if you're all in or if you're all out. Like Mayock is not a fence sitting sort of a type. And this, this, you know, little game of cat and mouse with, with Brown. I mean, it's like, it's not surprising to me that Mayock is very no nonsense when it comes to it. Listen, it's so much easier, Trevor. It's so much easier to draft potentially, you know, like you said, going out on your own, like diva-esque talent. It's so much easier to draft that and to say, listen, like, you know, we're investing in you and we vetted you and we've gone through this and we sat down and met you in meetings and we're, we're going to make this initial investment. We're going to work with it versus trading for it when you already kind of know that some divaness exists mm-hmm. and you're not sure how you can incorporate it immediately in year one into an existing room. So when you trade for a guy, you know, like you expect him to immediately kind of be a part of your team and be a contributor. The Raiders, I mean, listen, weapons are good. You obviously you bring up Antonio Brown. That's a huge part of it. They're but good. Like Ty- they're good with Brown, right? I mean, like Brown, Tyrell Williams, Renfro, JJ Nelson. That's a strong set of four wide receivers. Shout out to Kyle Krabs. Obviously, the biggest Darren Waller fan there ever was. You have Waller, <laughs> Foster Moreau as the draft pick at tight end. It's not great, but it's fine. Josh Jacobs and Doug Martin with Jalen Rashard at running back. Like it's fine. This, I mean. Uh, I, I made a joking comment because during the Raiders' first preseason game, I believe it was Rich Gannon who was commentating, and he said, you know, year six is when it really starts to come together for a quarterback in reference to Derek Carr. And I was like, all right, how many numbers are we going to go? That's oddly specific, with, is, Rich. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. But, like, year six is when it comes together? Like, are you kidding me? Year six? Like, you can't. If you're talking about a sixth-year quarterback as this is the year it's all going to come together – He's probably not been very good. You know, like that, like, right. you're still going to yourself there. And so with Derek Carr, I mean, I would say, yeah, the best passing, pass catching weapons he's had. Uh, pro- one of the best backfields he's had, maybe. Like, obviously, I know, you know, they had Marshawn Lynch there, but how much of Lynch did they really have? Offensive line isn't necessarily as good as the one he's had, but this is one of the best offensive systems he's going to have. And Gruden, for everything Gruden is, can design an offense. And, and he has some success around Derek Carr. So really, like, you know, there was some Kyler Murray to Oakland run last year that I think was very legit. I know for a yeah. fact they did intense due diligence on Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, this, this Carr's job is by no means secure that contract that you're able to get out of it quite soon. And so, mm-hmm. they, like, this is a the, – the biggest thing for the, the Raiders when you look on offense is either – like, it, it's very simple. Like, if this team is successful on offense – cars remaining and if right, they're not right they're moving off from him and you absolutely have to yeah there's a lot of things in the balance with oakland like uh, like antonio brown obviously their best offensive weapon is totally up in the air what Derek carr could be could be something that's here today and gone tomorrow it feels that could all change immediately and then the defense the defense is kind of all over the place you know they have younger guys like jonathan abram and trayvon mullen and gary on conley and and cleland farrell players like that and then on the other side, that they've got guys like Vontez Perfect, right? Like Lamarcus Joyner, like dudes who are it's it's this weird mesh of players who are young and old, and that's normally good for stability. But I'm not sure which direction they're going with that. I think they're going a lot more younger because on the second string, and I'm looking at the names now, and I forgot they have guys like Arden Key and PJ Hall, and of course Maurice Hurst as well. So they seem to be definitely going in the youthful movement on defense. But how much does that then lend to the success of almost guys on the offensive end that need to win right now? How much more are you going to get out of Antonio Brown, even if he plays? I don't know. How much are you going to get out of Derek Carr? I'm not really sure. So it's kind of weird windows with some of these players. I understand what they're doing. I think they're taking positive steps. I just don't know if they're all steps in the exact unison right direction. So I think the Raiders are kind of all over the place right now. Listen, big ups. Friend of the show, Jimbo, uh, Jim Nagy, says that 
uh, and he, he, this was in response to the Mike Mayock comments on Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. The Raiders are choosing to sign vets with, you know, like checkered pass, you know, as he, as he uh, phrased it, and emphasize intangibles with their rookies, Judge Jonathan Abram, Foster Moreau, Hunter Renfro, Cleveland Furl. Most teams expect vets to rub off on rookies, but the Raiders are hoping the opposite, which is such an interesting way of looking yeah, at it, right? Because, like, I mean, like, the reason why they drafted Cleveland Farrell for overall was he said, like, the defense of doing that was Mayock said, we look at, like, character first. Like, we're looking at right. character guys, and then all of a sudden they have Richie Incognito, Antonio Brown, and Vontez Perfect. Okay. That's right, and that's the thing. Like, yeah, you're, you're, you're bargain binning on veteran talent, not really bargain binning with Brown, but you're you're getting better in talent that on on a on a discount because of some of the, the the problems that they've had in the league and so it's a fascinating build. We brought him up, so I might as well. You know, my rookie mm-hmm. is absolutely Cleveland Furl. This team had what like three sacks last year, whatever the heck it was. It's like a despicable, <laughs> reprehensible. I think a little bit more than three, but you know, right. might not be too right. far from it. Yeah, the you're, if you're good if you're pl- if you're playing prices rice rules, you're you're probably pretty close. Right. What I know for a fact is that there's one edge that was retained from last year's draft, last year's just team into this year's team. That's Arden Key, kid at LSU, who's looked good in the preseason. Arden Key is not a player to sleep on right now. Furl, immediate starting job, fourth overall pick, selected over a number of more better, nicer prospects. Josh Allen, Montez Sweat. Mm -hmm. Uh, Furl's got to deliver. I mean, the Raiders are thirsting for some edge rush. You didn't even, I say, really you didn't even say Brian Burns there either. You could have. I didn't even, yeah, I, oh my goodness, I didn't say Brian Burns. He was my edge too. You know, uh, Furls is a is, is a good talent. I like Furls around one guy. Four was rich, especially with who was on the board. And, 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 and you know, the Raiders with the, the struggles at edge last year after the Mac trade, They'll come at the throat of a of a rookie edge quick. I really don't they, that fan mm-hmm. base is not going to be patient with with a rookie edge picked fourth overall. And so Furl's got a big 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 task in year one to prove that he was worth that early pick. I think the two secondary players, Jonathan Abram and Trayvon Mullen, are. Uh, yep. I think those are really interesting picks. But honestly, man, for me, it's Hunter Renfro, and I think that it's because his connection with Derek Carr is going to mean a lot. I, I think it, you know we have the cliches, the stereotypes, where it's like, oh, Hunter Renfro, you know, basically the next Wes Welker. Just put him in the NFL now. He's going to have all that success. And where I think that he does have those same kind of skill sets, is he going to be able to – is he really that one-in-one translation? Because if he is, that's going to really help out Derek Carr. That's going to give Derek yeah. Carr that confidence, that security blanket to keep drives going and have that in his back pocket to be able to take – those longer deep shots down the field with guys like Ty- Tyrell Williams and JJ Nelson and How they fun they hope Antonio Brown. Good, man. I How mean it it, it it opens up a lot of stuff. It makes yep. your offense really versatile and allows you to do a lot more things when it comes to pushing the ball down the field. And I don't think it's any limitation of Carr's talent that he can't do that. It's just been a weird offense for him. Let's talk Denver Broncos next. Vic Fangio taking over as head coach. Uh, the quarterback situations. A little weird, but Joe Flacco, Kevin Hogan, Drew Locke's in there. Kevin Hogan. I I have to say, man, he's names on the uh, names on the depth chart. Uh, oh, oh, also, no disrespect, Brett Rippin. I know uh, Kyle would be mad Take if we uh, if we did not mention Brett Rippin. Wide receiver group of Cortland Sutton, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, and Deshaun Hamilton. Sanders, yeah, kind of near the end of his his time as a Denver Bronco. And then if we flip over to the other side of the ball, the same could be ha- said about Chris Harris too. Harris is a big part of that identity that's been around in Denver for a long time when they were going after Super Bowls. He's probably on some of his last years, if not his last year in Denver. They have a guy like Von Miller who's been around for a while, but other than him, I think a lot could possibly change on this Denver defense over the next couple of years. And so 
the guys who are really standout players for Denver, Emmanuel Sanders, Chris Harris, Vaughn Miller, I don't know how much longer these guys are going to be around. And so that's kind of in the same situation what we talked about there with with Oakland. They seem to be really trying to compete, and I guess you could throw Joe Flacco's name in there as well if you want to, even though he's new. They're trying to compete with these guys while they have them, but I think they're almost almost kind of admitting that this is a transition period, right? I mean, they're looking at teams like the Chiefs and like the Los Angeles Chargers, and I don't want to say that they're that you give up before a year starts, but certainly top to bottom doesn't look like they're going to be able to compete with even two teams in a division, let alone the AFC. So it's kind of uphill sledding and you might be really, when I look at this Denver team, I look at a team that is turning the page. Do you kind of see that same vibe or do you think they're, they have a little bit more to compete for? I think offense wise. Yeah. It's a hard reset. Right. And that's, I mean, you don't acquire Joe Flacco and draft your luck unless it's like, you know, we're fully, resetting like you know flack was going to keep us afloat through these years we're going to see what we have with luck and if we need to go young quarterback again we'll go young quarterback again earlier obviously first round uh right with the offense it's like you know all right we've hit on guys like you know we got uh, you know um patrick Lindsay. like you know it was a good pick who ended up coming through close or philip yeah yeah philip Lindsay. i always get his name sorry it's all right you're at a wedding it's fine no but like guys like like you know the garrett bowles pick not like didn't go well for them like obviously they don't know where they have in Cortland Sutton yet He's now you know, put into that top role. But with Demarius Sanders out last year, Sutton wasn't necessarily as big a part of the offense as they envisioned. Jake Butt hasn't panned out over the past couple of years that they've had him there. The talent acquisition on offense has been rough. And so there, there's there's definitely a hard reset there. they got to figure out what exactly it is that they have. Defense-wise, I think this team's going to be a lot better than people realize. Uh, I think they that, got that good unit. players. Yeah, that unit. I mean, listen, you've got big Fangio bringing in Kareem Jackson bringing in Bryce Callahan on a secondary that already has Chris Harris and Justin uh, Justin Simmons. I think there's good depth there with Isaac Yedon. Mm-hmm. You got Devontae Bowsby. And then obviously in the front are, are you know, Shelby Harrison and Adam Gotts is a super thrilling. Derek Wolf, no. But Bradley Chubb, Vaughn Miller coming off the edge. They add Malik Reed and UDFA. They get Nevada. He looks fantastic. They're going to be able to get after the quarterback, at least on the outside. And I still think there's more to Adam Gotts that we haven't yet seen. And, 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 and Fangio's good at getting production out of those defensive tackles who haven't necessarily had, you know, as strong of careers as we anticipated. Fangio is a, is a consummate defensive mind right arguably the best in the league right and and i don't think he he gets i don't think people acknowledge how much his addition is just going to bring you know a rising tide is going to lift all boats for the defense same thing can a little bit be said for mike munchak in the offensive line i mean if anybody's gonna be able to figure out what garrett that's true that's very true i mean huge addition low key a huge hire and so i think they got the coaching staff really really right we got to see what rich gangarello looks like the uh, quarterbacks coach for 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 san francisco under Kyle Shanahan now comes, you know, to he comes into Denver. We got Noah Fant as the first uh, first round draft pick. You know, George Kittle had a record setting year under Scangarello mm-hmm. and, and, and that Shanahan mm-hmm. offense. You know, we could have something here. Scangarello is the the wild card, but you know, it's a promising sign. You know, working with Shanahan is a good name to be around. I just think that Munchak Fangio they've brought in some really really good names. I think the coaching staff is right. So I think that this you know the current talent could improve under some of these guys that they've got in. John Elway drafting are we going to be able to draft well enough to get the young cheap talent in here to mm-hmm. really like you said it's a good division we haven't talked about Kansas City and Los Angeles Chargers yet those are two of the four best teams in the AFC maybe the three best teams in the AFC and so you know it's a tough division to rise up in but it's going to come down to in my opinion the front office and not the coaching staff I think they got a lot of the coaching staff hires right yeah I I have a feeling that this was the last head coaching hire that John Elway made 
like however it goes right that's that's, that's kind of how i feel and so i think he's married to fangio for as long as fangio's here but i like him as a defensive line as long as he can get the offensive guy to, to really complement his style because you know that was that was tony dungy's big problem when he was in tampa bay right people talk about gruden john gruden way back in the day winning with dungy's team and all that kind of stuff dungy went through offensive coordinators man and he had a revolutionary style of defense when he was in Tampa Bay he couldn't pair it with the right offensive coordinator he just couldn't get it right and so you're hoping Fangio is able to do that with the guys that they have now my rookie is Noah Fant and and for that reason there because I think he plays such a key role in unlocking what this offense can be Uh, attacking up the seams making mismatches on linebackers uh, playing even in the blocking game I think that he's going to get better at it what this guy was from an athletic standpoint was basically better than OJ Howard in almost all of his combine numbers and OJ let me tell you as somebody as somebody who gets to watch OJ Howard all the time dude is a freak so I know that Noah Fant potentially is as well. I know how much of a difference maker O.J. Howard has been for the Buccaneers. He can do that as well for the Denver Broncos, whether it is Joe Flacco, who's a quarterback, or eventually, I, I think they hope, Drew Locke. You know, Drew Locke had a lot of chemistry with um, Albert uh, Okwebunam. There you go. Hey, when, he was at, when he was at Missouri. And so I can see that being something that he goes to pretty often if Drew Locke ends up getting some good playing time. So he's my rookie. I'm contractually obligated to mention Juwan Winfrey, sixth-round pick, wide receiver out of Colorado. Uh, in 2017, I told everybody Juwan Winfrey was going to break out. He got injured. Uh, and then in 2018, I told everybody that Juwan Winfrey was going to break out, and he uh, remained injured. Uh, 2019, he gets selected. I didn't think it was going to happen. Um, but I've, I've liked Winfrey from afar for a while. Really good route runner. He's a big slot sort of a type. He's really good uh, getting through the underneath zones. He's going to stick on the roster. Deep roster, obviously, and you already have some good slot options in Emmanuel Sanders and, of course, Deshaun Hamilton. Um, but I think I'm like the biggest Juwan Woodfrey friend there is just by default. And so it feels like I have to say him. Kansas City Chiefs. Good football team. Travis. Talk about the reigning MVP of the league. One of only, I think, three or four players to win MVP in their second year in the league, which is, man, what a high honor it was for Patrick Mahomes. It was funny because, you know, when he's – when he's coming out, you're watching his tape at Texas Tech, and and you know I, I'm I'm pretty sure everybody's scouting report that wasn't overly cynical on him read exactly the same. This kid's got an arm that is truly rare, and he's got a mentality to make plays that can match that arm. The thing is, is that what he does at Texas Tech and what he did in college, you just never see it in the NFL. And you think, man, if this kid can get a little bit more structured at what he does. He'll be special. And you know what? He got a little bit more structured at what he did. He had a really creative um, head coach that gave him a lot of freedom to improve in his own ways. And man, are we seeing a special kid develop before our very eyes. They're putting one heck of an offense around him, whether it's on the offensive line or in the offensive weapons. They've got Travis Kelsey, obviously Tyree Kill, Miko Hardman now, Demarcus Robinson's been okay. They've got all kinds of stuff. And they've got all kinds of weapons for this guy to continue playing at an extremely high level. I think the Kansas City Chiefs, I think things are going to be a little bit different for them this year. But I think they're totally poised again to be one of the toughest teams to face every single week. Just because if you cannot keep up with them, you're not going to win. 
that like even like defense aside, I know there's some things that they changed on the defensive end, and they're trying to get a lot more stout in that area. That's uh, an area that they kind of fell short when it came to their Super Bowl run last year. But at the end of the day, man, if you're up 14 on the Chiefs and there's five minutes left in the football game, you're not safe. You know, like you're the right. win is not locked up. There's nothing like that. And so when I look at this team, it's obviously all going to run through that offensive Patrick Mahomes. But um, how well do you think that they're going to have success this season? Do you think they go as far as they did last year? Do you think they can go even farther? Do you like the additions and the changes that they made? Because they have made some. What do you think about the Chiefs? Yeah, so, so yeah, a few points there. When the book is ran on Patrick Mahomes, two things will never, in my opinion, actually really three things will never be as highlighted, as sussed out, as emphasized as they should be. Number one, you know, and I, and I, and I firmly believe this, like he's, he's, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL already, but coming out of Texas Tech, it wasn't clear. It was not sunshine and daisies. It was not, we've got him, you know, like with, with like Mayfield, I think there was a sense of like, this is it, you know, and there's a reason Mayfield went one and Mahomes went 12. And that's a big difference. One and 12, um, you know, Mahomes was a revelation in terms of arm talent, in terms of field vision, in terms of instincts, in terms of risk management, in terms of pocket management, and at times in terms of mechanics and accuracy, there were just there were significant issues that have crippled other quarterbacks, not quarterbacks with Mahomes' natural skill, which mm-hmm. is where like you know we have to investigate and figure out what you know what if anything we can learn from Mahomes because it's not cut and dry that we can Mahomes. It might be the exception that proves rules. He's more it might be more of an aberration than he is an example. So number one, it would be like you know. Mahomes was not the slam dunk first round draft pick prospect that he he might get billed as when he has an amazing career for 15, 20 years. Number two, the best fit for him, as said, you know, by every draft analyst since February before that draft was Kansas City. Without it was a doubt, the best without spot a for doubt, him to end up Andy Reid, Brad Childress, Matt Nagy. You know, uh, uh, Mike Kafka, I think, was a was a, a QC at the time. But just the the that was who you wanted him. You wanted him with Reed. And that's number three, which is I like hopefully it gets talked about when Reed retires and when Mahomes is, is you know, whatever. And they're talking about Reed. But just the Mahomes we saw in 2018 looked similar to the Texas Tech guy. But there were just clear improvements in his decision making. The offense was uh, around him was like, you know, and this is something that like, you know, some person on Twitter was trying to expose. The offense around him made life easy for him. I mean, Reed did so much work for Mahomes, clearly from even last, like, you know, like over the course of the 2017 season when the Chiefs were still like making the playoffs with Alex Smith. Like, you know, there's clearly work and preparation being done. That's why they traded Alex Smith away. I mean, I wrote about this for the Draft Network last year in terms of, you know, Reed's not stealing exact play designs from Texas Tech, but he's stealing general concepts and mm-hmm. and the framework, the paradigm, the 50,000-foot view is still the same. And so those are things that's important to remember about Mahomes. Yeah, the offense, like everybody can run a, a three-flat 40, you know what I mean? Like it's unbelievable. The offensive line has still got some good talent on it. You know, they've recycled well up there. But the question that you have to ask yourself is like, all right, the offense last year was the best in the NFL. So even if it can get better gross-wise, like it's still just going to like max out at the best offense in the NFL, Okay. So did this defense get measurably better such that we can say the Chiefs as a team are measurably better? And my argument there is not really. Um, you know, you lose D. Ford and Justin Houston. You get a better player in Frank Clark, but then your opposite edge is probably Alex Okafor, who's, you know, a likable, but he's not what Justin Houston and D. Ford were for you last year. You lose a player in Steven Nelson. You lose Eric Berry. 
you know, corner-wise, the addition you make is Bashad Breland. You couldn't play man coverage last year, and your addition is Bashad Breland. Like, Juan Thornhill, Tyron Matthew, that's exciting. The safety room is better, even though Eric Berry is gone, and I get that. But I still look at this roster with Charvarius Ward, the undrafted free agent out of Middle Tennessee State, is your corner three. You'd like, like, wide receiver cores in the NFL, especially in the playoffs, where Reed is two and five with the Chiefs. Two and five with the Chiefs in the playoffs. Wide receiver core is going to be four deep. You're going to have three good yeah. wide receivers and one good tight end. You yep. need to be able to match all four. And that's the thing is like this has been well documented and everybody uses the Patriots as an example because the Patriots are really good at finding that one thing you suck at. I mean the Patriots just dared the Chiefs to play man coverage. Yeah. And the Chiefs were unable. And that game goes to overtime. And, and, and Reed is already a guy who has troubles with closing out games, closing out big leads, and then late game management. And so I, I, I can't tell you that I think the Chiefs measurably improved the weaknesses that got them killed last year. And I don't want to see, again, on the Holmes 40-plus touchdown output, on the Holmes 5,000-plus yardage output, and then we get to the cream of the crop, four teams left in the, in the, in the tournament, and, and the Chiefs just don't seem to stack up because the other half of, of the team has just been pulled along by the offense the whole year, you know? And that's that's the main concern. And so, you know, you yes, you, you really hope to see an improvement on the defense. Steve Spagnuolo's addition should be helpful. Zone blitzing, get quick pressures, allow your corners to play right, coverage, right. protect them a little bit. But I'd still get got to be able to play man coverage in the NFL. You have to do it if you're going to make a deep playoff run. And so yep. that's where my big concern with the Chiefs lies. Yeah, speaking of that, my rookie that I'm going to talk about is Juan Thornhill. I mean, that's he who it's is. Be, right? He, I mean, he be. is an athletic wonder. Blew up the combine. I mean, this guy's got range for days. They have Tyron Matthew as their other safety. They also have Darren, Daniel Sorensen. But man, if you're running Thornhill and you get the chance to play him in single high situations where he can really be that center fielder and you can play more man coverage and you can get aggressive and you can, like you said, have a lot of those zone blitz packages where you're getting multiple guys onto the pocket, pressure, ball comes out early, guys are playing some some good man coverage and then you've got a guy like Juan Thornhill who could play on the back end and really get some takeaways you know have some errant throws where they're trying to test him deep and he can really get over there recognize things better they're gonna it's gonna it's gonna have to take a really good rookie year for him to contribute the way that he might need to on a team that has deep playoff run aspirations there's no doubt about it and so Mm -hmm. there's not really a warm-up time for Juan Thornhill man I think that he's really they drafted him because they need his skill set nobody else in the secondary I don't think gives them what Thornhill possibly can and so with that He's got to be the guy. He's the guy that I'm looking at. He's the one that can really complete that secondary and give them a fighting chance, as you talked about there, to to win football games with with a really powerful offense. Yeah, no, I um, he's got to be able to, to circle down and cover the slot. I agree in a big way. Um, man, I thought I, I wasn't the biggest fan of Utah State running back Darwin Thompson. I did, there were others who liked him a lot more than me, but I thought he was one of the best backs I evaluated last year on screens and swings. And he went to a team that throws Trevor a lot of screens and a lot of swings. I mean, the fit in Kansas City, and I talked about it with Mahomes, the fit is nice uh, for Darwin Thompson. He's a, a good way to carve out a role on a backfield that's had a lot of movement in it. You know, you got uh, it's Williams now, you got Carlos Hyde. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, you lose Kareem Hunt. So it's a completely different look in the backfield. Thompson's had a strong preseason. The, uh, you know, a, a smaller space player, not going to be your short yardage guy, not necessarily going to be your bell cow back. But like I said, it, it, it's running back targets are a huge part of Andy Reid's offense. And I think that's where Thompson is going to be most effective in the league. And so he landed in a good spot. And he's had a strong preseason so far. I think he's a big part of the offense. I think Kansas City is so good at drafting 
what they know what you need and just draft your guys oh the 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 guys that they will that that play for them very well that play into what they want to do very well i think kansas city is one of those teams very good at it yeah we are rounding this out with the los angeles chargers i didn't call them the san diego chargers that's just because i'm staring right at it and if i wasn't staring right at the name i probably would have still called them the san diego chargers ben i bought into the chargers last year i had them as my super bowl team and I'm getting that itch again. Absolutely. I'm getting the itch tradition. to call them the. So I think I had, I think I had Chargers Falcons as my Super Bowl last year, and I'm God like, bless. I'm like hands in the air, about to do the same thing because I'm an idiot. But I probably won't pick the Falcons actually. But the Chargers, there's so much to like about this team, and now they add Jerry Tillery on that defensive line that's got Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram and. I just oh the, the oh, there's so much potential with this team on offense on defense there's so much to like they won 12 games last year I feel like they can compete against the best again but is this like Philip Rivers last shot when, when is his window closing is it closing right now like did you see do you think that that this 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 might be his last year to really contend I mean, if memory serves and I'm looking it up right now I'm pretty sure he's a free agent after this year and so like this is when. It could be the neatest time to get out of his deal, but they're not going to do that. Like unless the, unless the Chargers go like six and ten. Yes, this is this is this is the last year on his deal, and so no. What I'm saying is like, if you go thirteen and three, and you make it to the AFC Championship game, and you lose to the Chiefs, you got to extend Rivers. Oh, of course, and so without a right, doubt, and so and and this is Rivers' age thirty seven season, so you're pushing against the door, and so like if there's a year for Rivers and the Chargers to do it such that they can like kind of neatly, you know, either Rivers retires or whatever. It's like time to draft the new guy, whatever. Like this is the year because the contract is coming up. Um, I mean, I think Rivers is still playing at a, at a top seven, top eight quarterback level, which is tremendous news. Um, I think Anthony Lynn is probably a top seven head man, coach in the he league. Started, don't talk about. He started his career 0-4, man, as a coach. He started this 0 and the, 4 and he's been 22 and 8 since. This is the Buffalo Bills interim head coach, running back coach because they had no idea what was going on and the Chargers went to go hire him and because we can't st- sit in a room with Anthony Lynn, we're all wondering what the Chargers in the name of God are thinking. They bring in Anthony Lynn and then like I had, you know, the supreme pleasure of standing at Anthony Lynn's podium at, at the combine and he's just like, you know, I was ready to put on the pads, brother. Like it's just it's 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 so easy to understand why players want to play for Anthony Lynn and then it's the the, the smart aspect of it I mean yeah this guy's got yeah got Gus Bradley looking like he actually knows how to coordinate a defense again that's mm-hmm. Paul task Gus Bradley they won pretty you know and, and Ken Wisenhunt as well Wisenhunt struggled in some different places now with Rivers he's found a home so the coordinator hires were good and then obviously yes you have Rivers the Melvin Gordon situation they're gonna want him it's probably gonna get done you're gonna be a good team and you're not gonna you know next year's cap isn't going to matter as much when you really feel like the 2019 Super Bowl is in sight. And so yeah. I think that they're going to get that age for him. Yeah. I think they can survive with Austin Uckler and Justin Jackson if they have to. Of course, the running back market is always, you know, pretty active on cheap contracts. You know, if they really lose things out with Gordon and they feel like they need to add somebody, you know, the Eagles rented Jay Ajayi for a year and won a Super Bowl. Jay Ajayi is a free agent. As long as his knee stays good for the eight weeks you need him, you know, it's always a value buy. Sure. Jay Ajayi is a good player. Sure. So I don't think – I'm not too worried about that. I mean, with, with 
pass catching weapons. Mike Williams looks great in camp. Hunter Henry, if he's actually healthy, like we don't even know what the ceiling is with Hunter Henry. And so, I mean, it's all there for them on offense. And then defensively, you have to figure out your situation at linebacker. Denzel Perryman, Jatavis, and I mean actual linebacker. Jatavis, uh, uh, Jatavis Brown, Denzel Perryman, Drew Tranquil. You got to be able to get love Drew, Tran- Drew Tranquil for this team. My rookie, my rookie. Love. Don't you dare. Okay, sorry, sorry. Don't you dare. Sorry. Uh, but you got to be able to get two of these guys on the field in base packages. You can't just be going out there with Kaiser White playing at two thirty, playing Mike. Like this was a problem last year. You were losing it against the run. The loss of Derwin James in the beginning of the season, obviously a big deal. But I, I think it gives you an opportunity to get more linebackers out on the field and see who you can survive with two out there. I think that'll solve some of the problems that we saw in the playoffs. And then obviously, I mean, this secondary is just best one in the league. Best one in the league. It's best, best secondary in the league. The, the thing is with the, with the Chargers secondary is that like they're so deep at a ton of different spots because they play so multiple, right? I mean, like they they've have, got they they've got all these safeties playing linebackers and yeah, yeah, like it's crazy. These were four safeties took more than fifty snaps. Of course, this this is, how are you doing this? Of course, this is they, with their guys can do everything with Derwin James on the field, and he's not going to be on the field for a good portion of that. But look, man, I think that I think the Chargers are talented enough to where they can survive without Derwin get Derwin back, start making the playoff run. So. My rookie, right. my listen. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, but like, and people like like Derwin. Obviously, Derwin's a huge thing, but like, we cannot, uh, 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 I, we cannot overstate. Like Adrian Phillips played out of his mind for them. Desmond King, I mean, is, is yeah. exactly what we thought he was out of Iowa. Well, the good, you don't the, want the best chasing of, things down. Yeah, right. The good of what but, Desmond King was. They're getting yeah, everything else, and it's getting the guys in the right spots to do it. Right. Correct. So, there's so much yes. strength again in that safety room that they've got going on there. If you can get a healthy Trevor Williams, you got Casey Hayward. You know, you know they, they're getting good play out of like Michael Davis. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 they've just had such good strength in that secondary, getting guys in, in a position to be successful. And so hopefully it's a, it's a healthy secondary there, and that's strong. And then of course, like you said, you brought up Tillery. You have Justin Jones, and then it, it's it's Bosa and it's Ingram. The pass rush will be there. I know Tillery's your guy. Like I said, I wanted to claim Drew Tranquil. I think Tranquil might be the solution. Tranquil's a, a, a good coverage backer. He's good in zones. He can survive as a whole defender. Yes. But then he does have outside the tackle range. He does have stopping power when it comes to guards and when it comes to pullers. Mm-hmm. I think he's a good fill player. If you can get him and Denzel Perryman on the field at the same time, I would love for it to be Jatavis Brown. I'm not convinced on Jatavis Brown. I hope it's Jatavis Brown, whatever. You get him, you get Denzel Perryman on the field, you get Achenna Nwosu off ball occasionally, you get him up up off the line of scrimmage a little bit. That can be how you actually get some muscle between the tackles so you can survive right. against a power running yep. game. We know that's how the Patriots caused them problems yep. in the divisional round. And then I still think with, with Tranquil, you don't lose as much zone ability as you perhaps did when you have just Denzel Perryman out there. Right. So that's, right. that's what I, I think Tranquil might represent at least part of the solution for their 2018 problems. And if so, at, at a fourth-round draft pick, that's a huge value. Yep, Tillery's my guy, uh, just because, and I can be short with it, he's going to be badass with that defensive line. And with that secondary that they have, improving the defensive line, letting those guys just go straight at the pocket and at the quarterback, man, you're going to create some turnovers. You're going to make offenses really uncomfortable and you're going to be able to give your offense a chance every week to win. And that's what the Chargers did last year. I think they're going to do an even better job of it this year. That's a 12-4 and team that I think actually got better. As long as they get Melvin Gordon back, that's a 12-4 and team that I think got even better. And so I agree. that's kind of a scary situation. And uh, might be picking the San Diego Chargers. See? San Diego. I know. See, I had to get it in there. had to get it in there once. Might be picking the Chargers to be Super Bowl 
my Super Bowl team from the AFC once again. But that's getting a little ahead of ourselves. We're going to be doing that later in the week. Four more teams tomorrow. Ben, will you still be mobile tomorrow or will you be back at, at the home crib? No, I'll be back at the home crib getting prepped. Trevor, it is week zero week of college football, dude. This is it. This is what we've been waiting for all year long. And so, yeah, finishing up the NFL previews. But, dude, looking down the barrel, that Saturday is going to be a good one. Trust me, I'm going to keep reminding y'all who plays this weekend to kick off college football. Is that uh, Arizona, Hawaii, Cole McDonald? Uh, it is going to be Cole McDonald, but it's also... Utah, BYU? It is also the future SEC East champs, oh, baby. Go Gators. Until then, y'all keep it locked right here on Lockdown NFL Draft.